Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Go Dads Go podcast, where we're going to talk some Green Bay Packers draft and, I guess, a small, insignificant trade that went down yesterday has no bearing on the season whatsoever. Just kidding. I'm Robin of Wisconsin Sports Heroics. With me is Brian, a.k.a. the Mingo Train, (laughs) of various esteemed publications, and... We are joined, special guest, Ian Cummings of, I'm sorry, Ian, uh, what, what is your publication? The Draft Network, I believe. It is Pro Football Network, PFN. Pro Football Network. Yeah, I knew it had network in it yeah. somewhere. <laughs> we got two out of three. Yeah. yeah. There we go. There we go. Well, welcome, everyone, to this discussion. And I guess we'll kick it off with the Aaron Rodgers trade. Why don't we start with our guest, Ian. What did you think of the trade, the compensation that the Packers received, and who won? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, it's going to be tough because we need to see how it plays out for the Jets. We knew that they needed to get Rodgers to, you know, compete, right? They have a roster that's ready to compete right now. You need a veteran now. It's going to be tricky for them because you have a really short window for him and basically Super Bowl or bust, I think. So if you don't get a Super Bowl, I don't think it's a win for them. And 65% of the snaps is what he needs to play for that second rounder to become a first next year. And if he doesn't play that amount of snaps, then you kind of can assume that something went wrong on that front. And in that in that scenario, it was right for the Packers to move on either way. We know they were planning to move on. The Jets didn't really have much leverage. And I think that was reflected in the compensation because the Packers, they got that first round pick swap. So they moved up a couple spots, which in this class could be notable, I think. Uh, I think they got that second round or two. And then uh, basically, if it goes well, it's going to be a first rounder in 2024 as well. So getting Jordan Love, the weapons that he needs to succeed and putting him in the best position, I think you need more capital to do that. And they got that. So I think the Packers won it off the surface. It's ultimately up to the Jets to make the most of the opportunity opportunity that they have with Rodgers. But I think the Packers, they had the leverage all along. They had Love waiting in the wings. It's, it's a really good move for them um right off the start right because they have a much longer window i think the jets there's more work for to do for the jets to make it happen but uh, it was something that had to happen for both teams i think i agree but i'd like to hear what brian has to say as well uh i refer back to ian the, he's the expert here <laughs> uh no but i yeah, pretty much agree i mean it's it's i still think the packers in the end will, will win it more or less i mean even if uh, you know, the Jets, let's say, win the Super Bowl. I mean, well, yeah, even if the Jets win the Super Bowl, Packers still kind of win, I think, long-term just because of the draft picks and they can kind of build around um, Jordan and have, like, have longer-term success, whereas the Jets, it's like an all-in, you know, this year, maybe next year, and that's about it. Like, And then after that, they're, they're basically going to have to restart. What about yeah, you? I'm 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 in agreement with with both of you. I loved the compensation that the Packers received, moving up a couple of spots in in the draft to ensure that they get the player that they that they want, maybe. And but I also think it is phenomenal that th- this is the second year in a row where Brian Gutekunst was faced with a player that was absolutely not going to play for his team. And he got essentially a first and second round pick for, for that player last year with Devonte Adams and this year with Aaron Rodgers, And he has received a lot of criticism from Packers fans 
for this, which is not surprising because Packers fans love their Hall of Fame quarterbacks as they should. But he's taken a lot of un- unfair criticism for everything. But when it comes to these two trades, I mean, you you can't deny that he knows what he's doing when it comes to these negotiations. Because I don't know of another NFL GM that could have done that. Yeah, I think, and especially this year, too, that second rounder that they get, that could be big as well. Because I think this particular draft class, the value of the class, we've heard that there's a relatively low amount of first-round graded prospects, a relatively small group of blue-chip talent. So I think that second-round pick, I mean, if you play the board right, if the prospect that you like falls to you and you kind of build them up, it could be phenomenal value for you. I think that's where a lot of the depth of the class is, too. So that's an opportunity. And having extra first round capital next year, right? That can't hurt either. Looking ahead to the 2024 class, obviously it's a little too early to make any definitive statements, but you know, you can take a peek ahead and the talent is going to be really, really exciting. I think for that class too. So especially for, you know, the future needs that the Packers may have at premier positions, that'll be an opportunity for them as well. Yeah, I agree. Next year's class is looking, uh, at least early on, like Ian said, is, is looking like it's probably going to have more um, guys with first-round grades, at least early on. Um, of course, we don't know. Guys could go back and or guys could get injured or what have you and stuff can happen. But at least early on, it's looking like it's going to be a, a stronger to, class at the top next year. To be fair, we always like to get excited early, right? Like, always, next always. year is going to be so much better, right? You know, you can never know for sure. But, you know, looking at it on the surface, we can at least say, yeah, you know, have a measured opinion and say, yeah, you know, there is a lot of talent. You know, I look at guys like, you know, the tackle position, guys like J.C. Latham, Joe Alt, Olufashanu, you know, that's going to be, and we know the Packers have a looming need there. So, you know, just an example, but I do think there's going to be uh, slightly higher talent. We'll see what happens, but I think right now it's it's setting up to be a pretty good class. Right, of course. All those I mean, I, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, defer to you guys. You two are the, the draft experts. I'm just the Wisconsin guy that writes about them after they're drafted yeah well if we know if, if jordan love struggles or they've realized that he's not the guy i want to hear that brian don't want to hear it it's a good quarterback class next year it's a lot of guys next year a lot of guys went back to school yeah that's that's interesting that is very interesting we'll see we'll see what happens if you want my opinion, I'm excited to see what happens to Jordan Love. I mean, I think uh, he didn't play a ton, but the spot starts we did see, I think he's, he showed some promise. So I'm really excited to see what he does with a full offseason of confidence and reps, right? I think that's going to be big for him. Uh, you got to provide him the proper support. But when he was coming out, I was high on the talent. Now, granted, I really I sucked at evaluating back then, so don't <laughs> go off of my evaluations. But he, he's got legit talent, and he's shown in, in spurts that he's you know kind of showing progression as well. So I think you know, the best way to see what you got is give him the reins. And they've done that with this move now. So he'll get a full year. And I am excited to see what he does. And even if, you know, it, it's tough with the timeline because he has been sitting for so long, event you're going to yeah. have to extend him soon, you know, and he yeah. hasn't played very much. So that's not ideal. But if he proves he's, if he proves he's the guy, you know, he's in a stable environment, then, I mean, that's all you need to know to extend him and say like, hey, let's keep this guy in house because he does have the talent to make your, to take your team the distance, I think. Yeah, and they have a choice. They have to make that decision on that fifth year, um, with your um, options soon, too. I believe May 1st is the deadline. Yeah, it's like a week <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, so that's coming up. Yeah. That'll be good. And then the Packers also have some decisions to make on extensions 
for players that are in contract years or things like that. Yep. Guys like Yash Neiman, guys like Rashawn Gary, AJ Dillon. So Brown's a lot out. of <laughs> uh that I'm I'm gonna make that decision for them and say no, <laughs> no, no thank you. Uh well last week we covered in we covered offense and I don't want to beat a dead horse with a stick, but I would like to get your opinion since you are our esteemed guest and esteemed expert. I'm I'm a big fan of your work. Even though I couldn't remember what publication you write for, I have read a lot of your stuff and it's always phenomenal. So I was going to ask you, of course, the Packers, like the big offensive positional needs that they have are wide receiver and tight end. Where do you see the Packers taking either of those positions? And who do you feel would be the best fit for the Packers? Yeah, I think it's um it's going to be interesting because there are a couple of tight ends in this class that are valued as first-round talents in Dalton Kincaid and Michael Mayer. I don't see the Packers taking them that high. I think they probably defer to a day two, you know, day three stack at the tight end position. Um, and, you know, Brian does a great job of, you know, kind of keeping people up to date on the Packers' thresholds and which prospects fall within those thresholds. So I want to give him a shout-out, and here he always does a great job. But, you know, Thanks. looking at – Looking at day two, you know, I think, you know, a few guys that pop into mind for me, Tucker Craft is an underrated one, I think. I think that second round pick, especially, uh, that could be a range where you take him but one with one of those two. But he's my tight end three. Um, I think he's got good size. I think he's a very good athlete, a smooth athlete in space as a route runner. Very good run after catch threat. I think one of the better rack tight ends in this class with his ability to keep his legs churning, you know, absorb contact as well. But then he can make smooth adjustments in stride with his hands. So, you know, he's underrated. I think he's a solid blocker too, very physical blocker. So, I could definitely see them potentially targeting him. I think he fits their thresholds. Uh, Darnell Washington could be an option in day two. I think the the appeal with him is that he's a high level run blocker right out of the gate, right? I think he's more projection than people are letting on. Um, you know, for as well as he tested, he's kind of a lumbering athlete on tape. It doesn't always translate fully. Uh, he's not very good at sinking his hips on route transitions and changing directions easily. So, you know, I want to see him improve that the efficiency of motion, but he is big. He is athletic. I mean, straight line when he has a runway in space, he is hard to stop. Right. And that shows up on tape too, but then he's got incredible length as well. He can be a clap catcher at the catch point. Sometimes too, you want to see him kind of refine his catching technique as well. But when you're looking at size, athleticism and immediate blocking utility, he's another one that comes to mind. And then I'll give some day three ones. Maybe they might, some of these guys might go late day two. It's going to be interesting to see how the tight end class stacks up. But uh, Loon Sco- Luca Schoonmaker from Michigan is an option that I like. He's an athlete, 6'5", 251, I think. Uh, he's, very, he's another high-level run blocker right out of the gate. I mean, Michigan used him in a variety of ways as a blocker, you know, pulling, you know, in motion, you know, out in space and stuff. And also as a lead blocker in line, you know, out, out in the slot too. So I think... You know, he's a versatile, high-level blocker, and then at the same time, he tested extremely well. He's a smooth athlete who can kind of bend on those route breaks and get into space, uh, accelerate along those transitions. So big fan of his athletic profile. And then I'm looking at the list here, but Sam Laporta could be another one. He tested very well. That testing is going to lock him in because he's not an elite size threat. But I think, you know, having that baseline level of physical traits and then having the baseline level of blocking utility on the move could as well could uh, increase his appeal. So I think... It's a deep tight end class, a lot of potential options, but those are some that stand out to me as Packers options. Yeah, just to go back on real quick on Tucker Craft, I've, I've kind of identified him as more. He's, he's like the Packer type 
tight end in this class pretty much like because he's kind of more he can do a little bit of everything and it's kind of the type of tight end they usually type yeah. they usually draft i think he's i think he's very slept on honestly yeah. among the top tight ends you don't really hear his name often it's it's michael mayer and kincaid understandably so it's uh right. you know luke musgrave as well but i think Kraft is a better player in all phases than musgrave oh, honestly I, I think you know he's a smooth route runner you know again the appeal with musgrave is the explosive athleticism the long strider mm-hmm. mold in the uh, up the seam right you know but i think musgrave or Kraft is very underrated there. I think he's got that utility, and then he's a great blocker, like you mentioned, very versatile in both phases of run after catch threat as well. I would love to get him the ball and like drags and little dump offs and just let him take it because he is explosive in space. He's got good speed. He's got good contact balance. I think he'd be a phenomenal fit. I think the aesthetic with him in a Packers uniform too that wouldn't be that bad either. I think he's one of those guys that kind of pops in the mind like Tucker Kraft, Green Bay Packer. Yeah, yeah, I can see it. So you know, it's one of those. But I think this tight end class especially with the depth that you've got on day three too, guys like Blake Whitehart, uh, Ben Sims is one that I really like from Baylor. Uh, another guy who's a linear athlete in space, not really agile. He right. has three cones in seven, three range, but I think yeah, it, was, it was bad it, enough thresholds where if he's still there in round six or round seven, maybe you take a flyer on him because he is a good blocker as well. So, you know, there's options. And I think if you're the Packers, you can double up in this class because the depth is there. Well, thank you. Thank you. I learned a lot in the, the few <laughs> short minutes about about that. Uh, what about wide receiver? Yeah, wide receiver is a fun one, and I think it's a really interesting class from the Packers' perspective because we know that one thing they've really targeted in recent years is size. You know, size and length. They have certain thresholds that they don't normally go outside of. You know, there are occasional exceptions. You know, like we, you know, we we thought that they had an age threshold last year, and then they took Devontae Wyatt in round one. So, you know, it's always a little bit of variance, but generally they like guys who are. You know, and Brian can, you know, uh, correct me with the, the true thresholds. But from what I from what I can gather and understand, it's usually over around six foot, six one, over 200 pounds. They like guys who have that frame density, that mass to them, you know, good proportional length, you know, over 32 inch arms is a solid range to bet on. But uh, I think those are what they and then obviously athleticism is a big prerequisite as well. You know, I think that was clear with Christian Watson. I mean, the speed and explosiveness that he brings in space too, but Romeo Dobbs as well. I think Dobbs was one guy that really fit their thresholds last year. You know, he was a guy that we pinpointed as a potential Packer the whole way through. Uh, he was around 6'2", over 200 pounds. I think he had just over 32-inch arms again, so twitchy at the line. You know, really good straight line explosiveness and long strider appeal on the boundary. Um, you know, his, his hands were a little inconsistent, but he got them in the right place. It was just a matter of kind of honing that. So, you know, he he kind of hit those, those uh, margins as well. So I think in this class, you're looking at, a few guys up top. It's, it's it's tricky, right? Because there aren't a lot of size guys. You know, top, the top guys, Jordan Addison is in the 170s range from a weight perspective. I don't think that's going to get you anywhere. Jackson Smith and Jigba is close, but the length isn't quite there. The speed isn't quite there for him. Uh, so I, it's it's interesting, too, because I do think Smith and Jigba would complement their current weapons pretty well. I just don't know if, they, if they're going to, you know, go outside of their thresholds to take him. So it'll be tricky, especially at, at 13 overall. That, that may be a little rich for them. So we'll see. But going back to what their options are, as opposed to aren't, I uh, look at Cedric Tillman from Tennessee as a potential option. I think, you know, not quite as fast as they prefer. So I'm not sure if they go with him. But, you know, he did test very well in the explosiveness portion. Uh, six foot three to 215, I think over 32 inch arms again. So, you know, he's another guy who's very, very underrated, in my opinion. I comp him to Michael Pittman Jr. Personally, I think he's a streamlined athlete with really good foot speed on tape. He's a nuanced route runner who can sink on breaks. He can throttle up and down and manipulate defensive backs. 
but he can also convert at the catch point. You know, he's, he's an alpha, you know, he's physical, you know, he's very instinctive, getting his hands in the right spot. So I'm a big fan of his. I like him a lot. The one guy who I think fits the Packers mold even better is Jonathan Mingo from Ole Miss. I think he's got the traits that he really looked for. And I see the Mingo train. Is that a reference to Jonathan Mingo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. I was all hoping. aboard the Mingo train. I was hoping, man. Packers yeah. Twitter, Twitter joke. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, I'm all on board. He's my wide receiver seven. I, I'm, nice. I'm really high on his potential. I think, you know, he can continue to refine his skill set as a route runner. But again, man, I think six one, five eight to six eight, something around there, almost six two, over 220 pounds. The dude is massive. I mean, he is. I mean, you want to talk about a tank on the field. This guy's a tank. He's got that contact balance that you look for in space. But he ran a four four seven. I want to say on tape, he's one of the most explosive receivers that you will see. I mean, if yeah. you're looking for a guy. If, you, if you're trying to like if you're getting into watching tape and you're like, I want to see what's a good example of explosiveness from a wide receiver, watch Jonathan Mingo, because yep. when he has space, he accelerates instantly. It is not it is effortless for him. Uh, he's got the instant trigger that that turbo button downfield. Uh, I love that element of his game combined with his frame density and contact balance, man. He can be a scary run after catch threat, get involved in dump offs, design wide receiver screens, drags, stuff like that. Um, but he's got some routes in his arsenal, some outs, some some quick digs, some slants, right? I think he can continue to expand that route tree for sure. You know, he's not quite there yet. But at the senior bowl, he showed promise in one-on-ones. I think there is enough short area quickness to build off of. And then at the catch point as well, he's a guy who can contort, extend beyond his frame, make some really, really good body control <laughs> moments on film for him where he's going low for passes and maintaining the coordination uh, so I'm a big fan of that element of his game. And I think that in particular is what could win him over for the Packers. I think the Packers, you know, they had that vertical threat with Christian Watson, who can also kind of use him on drags again, get him underneath. Romeo Dobbs is another guy who can stretch the field vertically. Maybe getting a lateral threat, a flat threat like Mingo, you know, could be valuable for him. But he's also got that vertical element, too. So he kind of fits that mold. I, I like the upside a lot. I think you are banking on development with him, but he has the tools to bank on there. So I'm a big fan of his. Some other guys that come to mind for me, uh, Rasheed Rice from SMU is another one that I like a lot. I think he's around 6'1", over 200, I think just over 32-inch arms. Again, if not, he's close to that range. But he's been pegged for me early on as a really good three-level threat. When you look at his twitch at the line, the ability to offset defenders with that hyperactive athleticism, he's got very good explosiveness. We didn't see that consistently last year, but he was dealing with a foot injury for a good portion of the year. So I think that may have sapped at that a little bit. You know, When he's healthy, he's got the speed, he's got the burst. And then at the catch point, this is one of the most instinctive guys. I mean, he drew, I think he drew a lot of pass interference penalties. I can't remember off the top of my head, but he was a constant headache for defensive backs because he's just so good at contorting, getting his body and hands in the right spot. And more importantly, extending beyond his frame and catching with his hands away from his frame. Some receivers let the ball get into their torso. Rasheed Rice does not do that. That's something I appreciate. The focus drops, there are some focus drops at times, but he has the foundation that you want. And after the catch as well. You know, he's slippery. He can make guys miss. He can explode out of cuts and he can withstand contact to a degree. So I think Rasheed Rice is another guy who I'm who I'm kind of circling as a guy who, you know, if the Packers don't have Mingo or Tillman or, you know, someone else, he could be a guy that they favor. And there's there's players farther down the board. I look at Matt Landers from Arkansas as maybe a day early day three one that they go for. He tested very well. Um, Yeah, I see him as a day three guy on my board, but he is explosive. He is very long. You know, he's a guy who provides that vertical element for you. So they could go with that, you know, with the receivers that they have right now, I would favor a player who maybe has a little more utility in the short and intermediate ranges, but I do think, you know, there are options for them. Yeah, that's pretty much I agree. I mean, it's people have, uh, some Packers fans and people, you know, people comp to um, Landers kind of to like an MVS type of uh, type of uh, player. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. And another one I'll throw out there is Bryce Ford Wheaton from West Virginia, too. I think yeah. uh, another guy who's he grades a little bit higher than Landers for me. I think, you know, he's definitely consistency as a route runner is what you're looking for. But I think he has shown that he can he can square up guys ahead of stems and kind of work the zones in the intermediate range. I think, you know, there are flashes of that. You know, I want to see him do it more routinely, but he has shown that again. He's another guy who's pretty explosive, right? I think he doesn't quite play as fast as his testing indicated. He tested extremely well. But I do think he has that vertical element. Again, he's very good at contorting. Another guy who's very good at the catch point. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, traits are what you bank on. We know the Packers kind of weigh that more than most. And <laughs> Bryce Ford Wheaton is another one. He's got the hyphenated name as well. So that's another prerequisite. I think right. that would be uh, that would be another good one for them. Thank you. Thank you for, for that. That was also very educational. And I feel like a better person <laughs> for ever having heard it. Yeah, I, I think that it's going to be really interesting to see what the Packers do uh, with their top, their three top 50 picks. And I think that tight end and wide receiver could be addressed in the second round. I am not sold on them drafting offense in, in the first round unless it's an offensive lineman. Sorry, Brian, offensive tackle. <laughs> tackle, not just a line, a tackle. Brian is very, very, you know, sure to let everyone know that the Packers draft tackles and not guards yes. early in, in the first in the first round. In the least. first round, at least. So that's offense. Let's go on to, to defense. Now, Brian, Ian, I, I'm sure you, you know, has mm. some great stuff uh, over on the ATB network last week we talked about all of the offensive players that he had on that fit the Packers thresholds and we talked about that uh, this week we were going to talk about defense and for the sake of time because last week it took us quite a while to get through all, all the names yeah. on his list uh, I thought that we could go through each position and kind of uh, throw out some names. I'll pick like three or four for each position. We can talk about how they fit with the Packers and where we think they might get drafted. So we'll start with defensive line, as that is certainly a need for <laughs> the Packers. And I mean, Brian has a list of a whole bunch of guys here. So I'm going to pick out three. I'm going to pick out a guy that I am relatively familiar with that I, I really like being from Wisconsin, Keanu Benton. Yeah, I'm a big fan of his too. Uh, he's he's a guy that, you know, I think right away the play style that he brings is very appealing. I mean, he's physical. Uh, and of course, I mean, I think that's like a prerequisite for playing in the trenches. You have to be a certain level of physical, but this guy takes it a notch above and he is, you know, very violent, very proactive heading into contact. Uh, one of the better stack and shed players that I've seen in this class. I mean, and that kind of comes from the physical tools that he has, you know, within his arsenal. I don't have the numbers on hand, but I think he's around 6'4", over 3'10", I think over 32-inch arms, I think. So he's well, another guy who's got really good natural leverage and proportional length, and he can use that to make contact quicker, get under his opponent's pads, and ultimately, you know, exert power and then kind of capitalize on that. He's shown that he can do that time and time again. 
So again, stack and shed and run defense is very, very reliable there. Uh, he's shown that he can at least, you know, one gap and, you know, kind of hold his man. And then at the same time as a pass rusher too, I think he's got potential there. I think he tested with a little bit better lateral agility than I saw on tape. You know, I do think there is some lateral stiffness in the hips at times, but he has a violent arm over move. I mean, he, he's very good at using that. He's got a swim move and then he's shown that he can exert power and kind of build rushes off of power too. So, you know, I think you're working with a baseline level of burst power, size, length, and, you know, on top of that, too, the hot motor, you know, the competitive toughness that he provides. I'm a big fan. You know, I think he played nose a little mm -hmm. bit more often than he's going to at Wisconsin. I think he translates more as, you know, a disruptive three-tech who can maybe play one-tech on occasion, but I think that's the window that you're looking at. But alongside Kenny Clark, he could be a very good compliment. I think, you know, what he provides, and I think there is more upside to unearth with his violent hands and his brand of athleticism. One thing that I was impressed with uh, this year watching him with the Badgers was his his pass rushing ability really improved this year as it as opposed to his first Especially few years at Wisconsin. Stretch, I think if I remember correctly, a yeah. lot of his production came in mm -hmm. games. Yeah, after they fired their head coach, <laughs> <laughs> and I think there were some other uh, factors in there, but. I think that any team that drafts Benton is getting a player on the rise. He has not yet reached his full potential. As you said, he's still developing in some ways. But the, the fact of the matter is this is a guy who is projected to be, I believe, a second or third round pick. And going into the combine in the senior bowl, he was projected in, in like the fifth or sixth round even. And so I'm just really impressed with how much he's been able to improve his stock after the season has ended. And I think he did with a minor, he had a minor injury, I think, at some point in the season. I think he was playing through, if I remember right, like a leg injury or knee injury or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I think, I'm not 100% sure, but I think, I think he was. Yeah, I, I, love, I love Benton. Any team that's going to get him is going to be getting double a very good the, player. Double checking the length. I knew he was over 32. He's 33 and seven eighths. So that is very good. You know, that pops right. on tape too. I mean, he can make contact. He's again, you know, one thing that I look for, you'll hear it from me a lot when we're talking about defensive tackles is having natural leverage and proportional length, right? You know, people talk about tall players, like it's a plus, right? Being taller, but that's not because of height. That's because of the length that they have. You know, generally right. there is a correlation there, but when you have a guy who's six, three and three fourths, like Benton, who has 34 inch arms almost, that's that's a really good combination because you can play with better leverage, you can get under guys easier, and you can make contact sooner. You can drive more power. It's a really good combination to have. Yeah, and he has a wrestling the wrestling background too. Oh yeah, for sure. That's even better. That's yeah. even any any interior lineman, offense or defense, if they got that wrestling background, that's a plus too. I think Lynn Palm had that. Yeah. Excellent. What about Brian Breesey of Clemson? Yeah, he's another fun one. He's kind of interesting because he his measurements are a little unorthodox, not really what you're expecting. I mean, he's six five and a half. He's almost three hundred pounds, but he's only got thirty two and a half inch arms, so not quite the elite length that you're looking for. Again, it's kind of goes back to what we were just talking about. Like some taller guys have shorter arms, some shorter guys have longer arms. You know, it's not there's no tried and true science to it, but I do think he has enough length to work with. Uh, I think with him. You know, Benton is more of a guy, you know, Benton is one guy who's built really stout. He's got a really stout lower body. You know, he he's he can penetrate, he can disrupt and kind of break through blocks, but he's also good at maintaining the line and run support, you know, kind of preventing displacement. I think Brzee is more of a disruptor. You know, that's kind of more of his mold. Uh, you're looking at a former five-star recruit who's an explosive athlete off the snap. 
very good burst off the line, really, really uh, lightning, lightning quick first step. But then at the same time, too, I think he has, you know, he can be a little stiff in the upper body and the torso and the hips, I think. But I think the ankle flexion sometimes is what surprised me with him. You know, there are flashes where it's like, oh, shoot, did he splice through that block right like that? Did he splice through that gap and accelerate mm-hmm. through? You know, he's got really, really exciting glimpses of flexibility for his size. I want to see him keep refining that weight distribution element in the trenches. But I think, you know, the explosiveness, the lateral agility that he provides for his size it's exactly what you would expect from a five-star recruit. And I think he has shown, you know, I think overarching consistency with his hand usage is still something that I'm looking for, you know, being built like he is, he is a little high cut and sometimes he can play high as a result. Uh, I think I want to see him kind of refine that leverage acquisition as well, but he has shown that he can win with really violent swipes with swim moves as well. He's got the quickness to, to kind of complement that. So I think you're getting a lot of natural raw tools to build off of. I think Benton is another Benton's a little more, you know, he provides more three down utility for you, especially on early downs. If you're looking for a guy who can hold the line and stack and shed, I don't think Brzee adds that quite as much. But if you are looking for a disruptor alongside Kenny Clark, I think Brian Brzee is a, would be a good fit. And I think he has more alignment versatility outside of three tech as well. I think you can play him at four eye. You can play him at five tech. I wouldn't do it often, but I do think he can yeah. play there. I think he's athletic enough. So if you're looking for a disruptor who's a little more versatile outside that three tech range, I think Brzee is a, a good fit there as well. Yeah, he's flashed some power too. I've I've seen on film stuff that he's shown yeah, flashes sure. might be some upside with some some power and stuff with him. Yeah, and that's kind of you know if he can continue to refine his leverage, right? Because he is high cut, it can be a little more difficult for those guys to draw power up from their base, you know, right. because it's so easy to play upright. But you know, if he can continue to unearth that as well, that could be a good pick. He's a tricky one for the Packers though, because I feel like his the optimal range for him is in that twenty to thirty maybe. You know, Probably. picking at 13, you know, picking at 42 earlier in the second round, he might go between your picks, right? So it's a tough value for you. Um, but maybe if you want to trade back up in the first round, if he's there, you know, like 30 or 31, maybe that's All something right. they do. We'll see what happens. But, you know, I think it is good to have those options in mind. And at the very least, he provides that. There is also the possibility of the Packers trade back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they've been known to do that. <laughs> Every once in a while. But if they don't, if they don't, they're picking at 13. I could see edge rusher being a position that they pick. They, they're known for, for that. I believe they picked Rashawn Gary at 12. Mm-hmm. Is that right, Brian? That is correct. I don't, I don't, I don't remember the exact one. Who? Good one. Good one on me. So when I'm looking at the list of edge rushers, one guy that I have really been a fan of and I have written about being one of my, and this is back when they were picking at 15, (laughs) one of my guys was Lucas Van Ness from Iowa at edge. I think that he is a good player. Sheds, um, I I just think that he is explosive. He, He gets to the quarterback. It's the Big Ten defense. Iowa always has a has a good defense, and he was right in the center of of why they were as good as they were. To, unfortunately, their offense sucked. Well, unfortunately for them, it was good for me as a Badgers fan. But you know, uh, what what do you think of of Lucas Van Ness? Yeah, yeah as, as a Michigan State guy, I live 15 minutes from East Lansing, so it was good to see the Iowa offense as well. You know, I wasn't I wasn't complaining about it, but I, yeah, I knew. I knew Van Ness's name was going to come up here first or second. I, I I knew it because he he's the Packers mold, right? I mean, that's exactly what you look for from an edge rusher if you're Green Bay. Uh, athletic, 
really big, really long, powerful. I mean, all the traits are there. And I think that's kind of what's the crux of the argument is for Van Ness is that he has that full power traits to mold. Uh, the, the people will say he never started Iowa. They are correct. But at the same time, you know, Iowa does tend to defer to veterans, right? So I don't think it's a reflection on him. And they rotated him in a lot. Um, yeah. 2021, he played a lot at three tech and he's still disrupted from the interior. You know, pretty impressive for his size. But, I, you know, I think when whenever you're kind of dissecting a, a player's game like this, you look at how he's built, right? Six foot five, 272 pounds, 34 inch arms. So he's got really good frame density, length. And then he is explosive, ran a four, five, eight, 40 yard dash. You know, I think that 10 yard split was pretty solid too. So he's a guy who really shows that quickness off the line. I think he is athletic enough to play outside the tackle. You know, he's shown that he can use speed to power from that range. He can also play head up with the tackle, you know, and again, I think giving him space to work with, but he's also explosive enough off the line to get under guys really quickly, use that length and that power capacity to drive through barrel guys back with that leg drive. You've seen, you mentioned he gets to the quarterback. Usually he's getting to the quarterback through the tackle you know it's not him working around mm -hmm. him he's just going to go straight through you and he's going to displace you and the power profile is so overwhelming that he can do that and i think you know people don't really talk about this as much as they should i think with van ness but you know he is raw he is a little bit younger you want to see him keep refining that hand usage arsenal because he is pretty power dominant right now not a ton of counters in his game yeah. but i think one reason that i'm higher on him a lot i bring this up every time i talk about van ness is that um, you know, we mentioned it with Brzee. He has a tendency to play a little too high. Obviously, the game is different on the interior than the edge. But, you know, no matter what on the defensive line, you need to play with proper leverage. You need to get lower. You know, if you can get lower and, and multitask around the edge, that can help you out a lot. And Van Ness, for his size, being six foot two or six foot five, my bad, uh, <laughs> is very, very proficient at dropping his pads, driving his hips through power exertions, loading with his hips and, and maintaining proper leverage all through the rep. You know, he's not stiff. He's flexible. Uh, you can drop his pads very easily and he can work with proper leverage while driving around the apex. And I think that is a very, very exciting foundational component of his game. And that's something that on top of the, the youth, the age, the explosiveness, the length, you know, that's something I'm willing to build around. I think he's already very alignment versatile on day one, but there's a ton of upside to work with. And already he can be a, a powerful component off the line, really good rotational threat with impact starting upside. So big fan of Van Ness. I've been a proponent of him for the Packers in round one, 13, 15. It doesn't matter. I think he's a good fit there. And I think the value, um, especially if he reaches the ceiling, could be very, very good. Yeah, we've been talking about for a while on Packers, you know, Twitter and stuff. He's just, he's the prototypical Packer type, you know, edge rusher. <laughs> yep. And, you know, I've, I've spoken to some people who comp him to Rashawn Gary, you know, so I think, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, the profile, I, I don't know if I see it one-to-one, -one, but, you know, yeah. I do think that the traits, again, you know, it's the traits argument for the Packers, right? The size, yeah. explosiveness, length, you know, that's what you look for. And that's what Van Ness has. Yeah. Kind of like this, they win in a similar, similar ways. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think Van Ness coming out is a little more power oriented as opposed to Gary, who's maybe a little more finesse oriented for that prototype. Right. But I do think they provide similar upside. Right. It'll be interesting. I, you said that he has like starter capabilities, which I think is going to be, you know, interesting for the Packers. When Rashawn Gary was drafted, the Packers also signed Zadarius and Preston Smith. And Rashawn Gary did not need or get to play as many snaps. But with the Packers' edge situation as it is right now, with Preston Smith still, Rashawn Gary's coming off a torn ACL, and then they have Kingsley Anagbare, who I think was a steal in the fifth round last year, oh, yeah, but is still getting better. 
still developing. And then uh, Justin Hollins, I believe, was yeah. the veteran that they got back. Like Rams. edge rusher is is definitely a position where any rookie that they get early, I think, like Van Ness, is going to have a opportunity to play often. And so that's why I think that it will be their first round pick just because that player has more of a chance to have an impact right away. Yeah. him. I've been circling him and uh, Miles Murphy as potential Packers picks in the first round as far as edge rushers. What do you think of Miles Murphy, Ian? Yeah, he's another one where the traits really stand out. I think there's a few guys at the top of this class who, you know, have those high-level power profiles, you know, guys with size, length, explosiveness. I think those are the, you know, the few, the three traits that you really kind of look for in that in that lens, and Miles Murphy certainly has it. 6'5", I think 269, but he's got close to 34-inch arms. He ran a 4.51 at his pro day. So another guy who, you know, the explosiveness stands out on tape. And one thing I look for, you know, on tape, you know, I try to come up with a, a really sophisticated term for it to sound more sophisticated, like stride frequency or something. And foot speed sounds a little too simplistic, but hey, it, it matters when you're an athlete. How quickly can you, you know, move your feet and accelerate off the line? And he's one of those guys who's very fleet footed for his size. He's not lumbering in any aspect. You know, he's a guy who accelerates very quickly, you know, high energy athlete. And I think that he has decent bend capacity, not elite. I think, you know, I think it's more timing synergy issue for him right now. You know, I think he can be more consistent with that, but he has shown he can work around the apex. I remember against Florida State, he had a really nice, I think it was like a, a chop rip combination around the edge, you know, kind of using that flexion to kind of get around and then the pursuit speed as well, you know, with his speed and length. I mean, he is a menace in pursuit. He can run guys down. You know, I think he has a more complete power to traits than people give him credit for you know definitely needs to keep refining it and kind of overarching consistency again has been a concern not an elite production profile but i think all the tools are there you're working with a high level you know composite allotment of tools and then at the end of the day i do think he's a little more refined on the hand usage side than van ness i think he he's another guy who's very proficient at driving power through not just through opponents but getting inside their torso and rolling his hips through after he makes contact or as he makes contact rather but, you know, you want to explode into contact inside the torso, drive through and then get your legs under you and drive through with your lower body. And Miles Murphy is very good at aligning himself that way. And then on top of that, on top of that, having the athleticism that he does both vertically and laterally, you know, with the size and length. Another guy who's just very complete, you know, you'll hear similar things about him and Van Ness because they do have some similarities in terms of their archetype, both high level power rushers. But I think Murphy is a little more refined with his hand usage. He's got mm-hmm. decent bend for his size. And I, ultimately, I think, you know, if you if you get him to a ceiling, he can be an extremely good player. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's got that motor that's running, always running hot. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. I don't think people give him credit for that either, man. But he's he's a guy who, you know, he's always competing, always, you know, even after first contact, again, he'll be moving his hand and stuff. He, he stalls out occasionally, right? But I think, you know, that's more just, you know, leverage, you know, kind of managing that once he gets, yeah, I think Van Ness is maybe a little bit more better, a little bit better, a little more natural at dropping his hips and, and you know, kind of maintaining that through reps. But, you know, again, I think you're working with a high level combination of tools in Murphy as well. Yeah. All right, for the sake of time, let's go to the other defensive position that the Packers have a glaring need at. And unfortunately, it's a bad year to have that need. Yeah, uh, safety. (laughs) Safety. Not a very great class for for safety this year. (laughs) 
So they obviously need they absolutely need one. They yep. can't really afford one on the free agent market. So left. we're we're pretty much stuck at this at this point as Packers fans we're we're, we're going to need a safety from this class or two or two. <laughs> oh man. That's not ideal. <laughs> no. No it's not. So which safeties do you think could work for this team? Yeah, it, it's tough, and it really depends on where exactly you want to pick them. You know, I think this is a position where the Packers might need to might need to go a little bit outside their thresholds at certain traits. You know, because I think there's so much. The safety class is weird, man. Like, I'll just it's tough to describe it. It's tough to articulate it. There right. are quality players, right? But a lot of them have niche roles. Like a lot of guys who play nickel predominantly. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of guys who, you know, have really niche skill sets and it's tough to transition, translate it or project project it across multiple roles. You know, you don't have the versatility with some guys. You don't quite have the natural aspect of playing too high or maybe single high if you need to. So, you know, that lack of pure, you know, uh, translatability is kind of a, a caveat for them. You know, I think it's it's tough. So I think you do have to expand beyond your thresholds a little bit. One guy that I have mocked to them before, and I'm not sure if they will take him. I think it depends on if they're willing to take a safety that high. I think you'll need to take him at 42 or 45. But Sidney Brown is one that I've liked. I think he's a little shorter than they would prefer, you know, not quite as long as they would prefer. And that may be something that rules him out of the board. But especially in this safety class, you might need to compromise a little bit because it is so polarizing. But I think Sidney Brown, to me, you know, has some of the best best value for them if you're looking at what they need that you know they do need that versatility a guy who could play the slot or in space and to me Sidney Brown emulates that better than most in this class I do think he's instinctive you know he's very explosive I think a lot of his athletic measurements would definitely fit their thresholds it's just kind of the size that's the the caveat for him but even there he's dense he's 211 pounds at five five uh nine Nine. and three fourths I think so yeah he's definitely got the density and the compact frame for that size it's just are they willing to take a guy who's a little bit on the shorter wingspan size? But if, if they are, I mean, he's explosive. He's fluid enough in coverage. You know, he's shown that he can read route concepts in the intermediate range. I think he's got all of that. And then he, he can run the box too. Very physical in support. And, you know, at the end of the day, that closing speed can be a game changer for you. And the closing speed combined with the quick reaction, the quick trigger, that's something that I like a lot in his game. So I, I, I think he would be a good option for you, you know, if you're willing to expand your preferences a little bit. Outside of him, man, I mean, you're probably looking at day three for guys who've tested very well. Two guys that stand out to me, Jason Taylor, the second from Oklahoma State, Daniel Scott from Cal. You know, I think if the Packers do want to stick to their thresholds, you know, if they're a little more stringent in that area, those are two guys who tested very well. And I do think Daniel Scott does have more experience in two high. You know, yeah. he's shown that he can play single high a little bit. He can roam out to the slot. You know, I do think he's one of the more underrated safeties in this class. So early day three, I would be all over that because he has shown that he has the the speed and the agility for his size. He's got really good frame density again. Not quite as long for his size. I think he's like 6'2 with like only 31 and, and change, I think, if I remember correctly. Three, three and a quarter. Yeah, okay. So he's he's definitely, yeah. But I think he's one of those guys who's, you know, again, it shows up on film that he can Man up, guys, if he needs to. You know, he's got enough fluidity. I think that would be good. And then Jason Taylor, the second as well. A little lower on my board, but I do think, you know, again, the explosiveness, the size, you know, you're, you're working with tools there too. So I think those are a couple guys that stand out. Yeah, I think I um, I actually, I think um, Tortavis Martin would probably be a, fits their profile a little bit better or their thresholds a little better um, from Illinois, you know, the same from um, same team. 
Yeah, because uh, yeah, he because he has a versatility where he can play slot, he can play you know single high and all that type of stuff. And he actually he actually has shown he can play single high a little bit too. So that's you know yeah. Sidney Brown doesn't quite have that much experience. So I I look both of them as potential options at uh, forty two or forty five. With with Martin, it's a little tougher because he is only one hundred ninety four pounds, so a little bit lighter, a little bit leaner, more wiry. Right. But I don't think that's a deal breaker for them either. And then man, the explosiveness. I mean, forty four inch vertical, right? I mean that he, the guy jumped out of the gym at the NFL Combine. Yeah. So. He's another guy who's got that that closing speed, that burst out of his transitions, competitive toughness. You know, there are times where he can be caught with his feet tied together on double moves and stuff like that. You know, I think Brown is a little more instinctive, but I do think Martin has the physical tools that you're looking for. So, you know, if length is a deal breaker for them, then Martin would be the choice over Brown. But I think, yeah, like you said, both offer the versatility and the playmaking too. I mean, both very, very productive at the catch point, and I have to think that's another bonus for them. And if you're listening, you're like, whoa, wait a second. You guys just talked about taking edge in the first, and now you're talking the safety with a potential second-round pick, two defensive picks without taking a tight end or a wide receiver first. I think that, like, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but this year's wide receiver and tight end class, as we've mentioned, is pretty deep in rounds at least two through five. Like, the Packers can get away with using the first two picks on defense, especially since they have that second second round end, pick. The tight end class for sure. The wide receiver class, I think, a little less so. I think especially right. with some of the, the top targets on the board, like if they love Jonathan Mingo like we do, right? You know, you might have to you might have to trade up in round two, honestly. I mean, there's been a lot of buzz around him. You know, maybe if honestly, you know, this class is I hate to I hate to, you know, sit on the fence here, but there are so <laughs> many different possibilities. There's a chance he could go. He could be surprised round one pick. You know, it's one of those things. I wouldn't quite take him that high, but with how many smaller receivers there are in this class, if someone is in love with the upside, it's a possibility that he could go there. And if he's still available on, on round in round two, I'd have to imagine that he could be a priority player for some teams too. So it's one of those things where you might have to be aggressive and trade up a little bit for him, even if you really like Jonathan Mingo. So you know, there are the the lack of size relative receivers in this class could make it an issue of value for the Packers where maybe, you know, maybe we have to be a little bit aggressive to make sure we get our guy because at a certain point, you know, there, there are size guys later on, but the, the guys that, you know, can provide utility on day one, you know, that group is a little slim. So it's one of those things you might have to be aggressive to get one. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it's a class that feels like it's just a full of a lot of number two, number three type receivers. There's yeah. not a lot of alpha number one type guys in this class. It'll be an interesting draft for sure. Packers have 11 picks right now. Right now. And you got to figure they're going to take uh, multiple offensive linemen, multiple tight ends. I mean, that eats up half of your half of your picks right there about. Probably a running so, back. <laughs> probably a running back. Yeah. Man, it's a good it, class it sure running is. Back. Definitely a lot of depth. Oh, yeah, it's a crazy good class of running backs. They'll probably wait till the later rounds to do to do that, but we will see what happens with that. Well, that's gonna wrap it up for us. I want to thank Ian for joining us on Go Dads Go. Great little podcast we got going here. Ian, can you please tell our listeners? where they can find you on socials and where your work is located. 
Yes, you can find me at IC underscore draft on Twitter. Any draft questions you have, 2023-2024 NFL questions, feel free to shoot them my way. Uh, you can find my work and the work of so many other great writers at PFN365 Pro Football Network. Brian? Oh, me? <laughs> uh, you can always find me at the usual place as B-M-A-A-F-I on Twitter. Um, and then, of course, my writings on uh, ATV Network. Uh, I have a post uh, Aaron Rodgers mock draft should be coming out sometime today. And then um, of course the, um, my uh, draft database that I work on almost every day ish <laughs> kind of, kind of, that's kind of fallen off lately because there's been a lot of film and stuff like that lately, but you know, I usually try and do it every day. Um, and then she, she said TV draft guide, you know, get the kickers in there. And then the article about the um, eight players that the Packers will not take. And you can find me on Twitter at the other Robin 19 and all my work at Wisconsin sports where you can read the Packers stuff. Also some Brewers and Bucks stuff, although there's not much good Bucks stuff to be said right now after <laughs> last night's debacle. <sighs> Had to get that off my chest again. Thank you, Ian, for joining us. We will see y'all later. <laughs>